Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval, variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on creditworthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Welcome to Switch on Pop. I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And I'm a pretty tired songwriter, Charlie Harding. It's 9.30 on a Sunday evening, <laughs> which is about two hours later than either of us have stayed up in many months. And what we want to do tonight is summarize this most unprecedented Grammy ceremony, discuss some of the most memorable performances, dig into some of the biggest wins of the night, and try and make sense of what this Grammys tells us about the state of music today at a most unusual time. I feel like doing Grammy coverage is always a little strange for us because we so much enjoy diving into the music of things. And the Grammys is this bizarre institution that is as muddled in Mm. popularity, commerce, lots of issues of institutional racism sexism it's all in there yet it's also this night that is incredibly important for the performers who are playing there as well as the artists who are nominated and so i feel like what i want to do is sort of like pay respect to them right those for whom this event is really important Mm. and try to get a sense of like yeah what went on here you know it is more of a concert than it is an award show. It's just a concert where they happen to hand out a couple of awards. I'm curious, from your perspective, were there any standout performances or maybe some that might even didn't quite land? One of the performances that stood out in a good way for me was actually by an act that was not nominated at this year's Grammys. It was Silk Sonic, the new project from Bruno (laughs) Mars and Anderson Pack, and they tore it up in these matching 70s suits with the big lapels, with these perfectly choreographed uh, dance moves, bell bottoms. It was like a a throwback treat, and the song is good. I think we should talk about it on the show at some point. Coming episode, absolutely, yeah. Okay, good, because this, I mean, this felt like, a preview of next year's Grammys watching this uh <laughs> this silk sonic performance the recording academy happens to love bruno mars i was talking with our friend the producer danny ross and he's like is there a decade that bruno mars hasn't borrowed from since the war and because here, not only do we get the 70s, but they also did that incredible performance honoring Little Richard. Yeah. We're going back into the 50s, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, man, I can't wait for flapper era Bruno Mars. You know we're going to get that pretty soon. But you think the the super group is the thing to come? You think these these guys are doing something special? 
yeah, this this is definitely a portent of of what's to come. Like like superstars teaming up to to do projects that reflect their their mutual interests. Like that's that's going to be a thing, and I'm all here for it. Maybe there's also an upset though in their performance, which is of course that Bruno and Anderson had a sort of last minute petition to play at the Grammys, put their new big group out into the you know the biggest stage in music and of course there has been the ongoing discussion of the snub to the weekend who mm. didn't get to perform and so it is a little strange that bruno who again darling of the recording academy gets to perform the weekend doesn't anderson did win for lockdown for which lockdown. i think is one of the better tracks of the year we thought it was a lockdown they opened the fire I think we're going to see the themes of lockdown recur in a lot of other wins later on in the night. Yeah, a lot of these performances didn't try and escape from the reality of what's happening outside this Grammys ceremony. They looked at it yeah, head on. And, and one of the performances that did that most strikingly was Little Babies. And I would say this yeah. was a, a highlight of the entire performance. This was not on a, a stage or a soundstage. This was actually on the filmed on the streets of LA, this segment. And it was almost like a, like a, a short movie that incorporated themes of police brutality i find it crazy the police is shooting ain't notice you dead but she tell you to freeze if i seen what i seen i guess they mean hold him down when he say he can't breathe it's too many mothers screaming this is for his song the bigger picture which deals with a lot of these themes but the way it was presented was so striking and, and clearly so carefully rehearsed between the, the the blocking and the camera work and featured some brilliant cameos from activist Tamika Mallory and the rapper Killer Mike. This was so unexpected and very moving and also filmed on this the street that I commute up and down mm. every time I go to work, when I go to work. So it really hit home for me. This performance also references a larger arc of American history and especially of the black experience. It opens with a quote from James Baldwin. When I was growing up, I was taught in American history books. But Africa had no history, and neither did I. Nate, you noted the cameo by Tamika Mallory. She also, in her moment, made a plea saying, President Biden, we demand justice, equity, policy, and everything else that freedom encompasses. We don't need allies, we need accomplices. It's bigger than black and white. This is not a trend. This is our plight. Until freedom. That was a that was a heart stopping moment, honestly. Not something I expected to see in like a Grammys telecast. It was it was very, very raw and bracing. But these themes of combating and directly addressing racial justice were throughout the show. We had the performance of Black Like Me by Mickey Guyton, who we spoke with on the show yeah. a couple months back. In the land of the free, you should try to be. She had just had a child 30 days ago, which is amazing. And she was just stunning and belted. The song is gorgeous because it starts off really mellow and personal. Broke my heart on the playground. 
And then as it builds and she's leading to the punchline. The music swells up and there's this gorgeous choir that joins her and that swell of emotion is matched in the performance, I think, just so beautifully. Yeah, she crushed it. And I'm proud to be like me. Another performance that picked up on these themes very memorably, I thought, was DeBaby's performance of Rockstar, which beautiful. started out with a really striking image of him in like head to toe in white Gucci conducting uh, a choir and uh, a violinist and, and and a tenor singer. No, it's great. I love the idea of this song sort of claiming its space, trying to overthrow institutions or sort of you know being the new rock star. But it's also a song which is addressing the everyday experience of having PTSD from simply living a life as a black man, mm. and uh, you know especially addressing issues of police brutality. And uh, there's this wonderful ad lib that he does, or he he alters the line in the performance where he says at the Grammys probably get profiled before I leave it. It's a song that's just so full of these contrasts where musically it contrasts this really beautiful guitar line, sort of classical guitar. How you pull up, baby? How you pull up? Mm -hmm. Which makes sense that he's sort of conducting with the music, but you know, it has this heavy trap beat. And it, it is much a song about claiming his place as a rock star as constantly being persecuted. Yeah. And also just the performance was like so sharp. Big shouts to Anthony Hamilton on vocals in that one. Such a pleasant surprise mm -hmm. to see him there. And you know, I think we're making it sound like kind of a serious song and a serious performance, but there's also a lot of levity, and that was huh. uh, significantly provided by this chorus of older <laughs> choir singers who were dressed kind of like Supreme Court justices. Yeah, and one of them I I know is destined to become a meme. It's the the singer directly behind the <laughs> baby's right shoulder. I'm I guarantee there's going to be a million <laughs> memes tomorrow about her. This being the Grammys, there, of course, weren't only performances addressing the biggest issues facing our culture, and our politics. There was a, a great high-end performance of what felt like a garage rock, three sisters just jamming out, having the best time. If you go left and I go right, hey, maybe that's just life sometimes. There was also Taylor Swift performed in what looked like she was in the Shire. Yeah, the Shire. She was like on Middle Earth or something. And Aaron Dessner and uh, Jack Antonoff were sort of in this cozy cabin covered in moss playing their lovely folk songs. Those yeah. were all very It was sweet, like it was but... Snow White and the Two Dwarfs, I think, was the, <laughs> the theme for that. I have a favorite performance. I have a feeling we might end up on the same one. But before we go to that, were there any performances for you that fell short? Yeah, there were a few. You know, I I don't want to be mean. I wanna I wanna give all these these artists their their laurels. But um, I think one one that didn't quite hit the mark for me was Roddy Rich, which came towards the end of the show. And you know, he's an artist. When I listen to his music, I just hear so much like crackling 
energy and and mm. and vim and vigor. And when he was performing, there was a a weird lack of 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 vibrancy that I, I felt like didn't translate from the performance. So that one that one didn't didn't land for me. Yeah, I I wonder about this because because of the context of the pandemic, this award show was very different than others, right? There was not a normal audience. It wasn't even recorded in one location. I believe it was recorded in about five different locations. Right. And some of those locations just didn't register as well. I think the sound mixing was off because of the lack of audience. The energy was off amongst the musicians. In fact, I actually found that the opener of Watermelon Sugar, a song which uh, won awards and is a song that you and I both really love, it just turned from that high energy summer anthem to a like <laughs> autumn adult contemporary performance of the song. Yeah. But I, of course, want to give the benefit of the doubt to the performers. It seemed like something in the room was off. Totally. It was, it was, yeah, it was like the performance you'd see by a cover band at a senior citizen center. It was, <laughs> it was, it, it was, it was fine. I mean, he looked Freaking amazing. My Look great. The musicians played really well. It just didn't have that oomph that you want from that song. No, I, I know what you mean. Another performance that felt like it just wasn't, yeah, it was lacking that feeding off the crowd maybe that you were talking about, that, that kind of a vacuum in the space was Post Malone. You know, I, I expected him to yeah. come out and do something uh, pretty unforgettable. And instead he picked a song that is not one of his biggest hits, Hollywood is Bleeding. And yep. just kind of uh, like stood in some smoke machines and uh, kind of looked at the ground uh, for <laughs> for three minutes. And it was I was like, this is not the the post Malone I've I've slowly and painfully come to kind of love over time. I don't. I, I, this is someone I don't recognize. You know, it did have one thing that I enjoyed, which is it opened up with this sort of like these gothic elements. It also had this choir, almost like. <sighs> Gregorian chant, like very mm. old school, and sort of alluding to maybe some of the medieval themes that he has in his music videos. I note that only because one of the things I enjoy about the Grammys is when an artist takes their song and sort of rearranges it, puts it in a new context. And the song that I thought did that better than any was from my favorite performance or performances, which were from Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B. Yeah. And Megan Thee Stallion opened up with Body, which I think is one of our favorite songs. But she updated it into this sort of like American jazz, like roaring 20s kind of thing. And when we get into Savage, we get a tap dance solo. You know, it took every fiber of my being not to text you just tap dancing, <laughs> tap dancing, tap dancing. <laughs> that was, I mean, and just to, to, to put my jazz historian hat on just for a second, just for a second. This was a direct illusion, the choreography here was hearkening back to one of the greatest filmed swing dance, tap dance performances ever, the Nicholas huh. Brothers in Stormy Weather from 1943. 
And all you have to do is go on YouTube and type that in, Nicholas Brothers, Stormy Weather, and you'll <laughs> see these uh, doing splits down the staircase like that. Wow. Just like r- totally direct reference to that iconic dance sequence. So that was like totally thrilling for me to to watch. It's just another great example of an artist like Megan who also in some other stuff we'll talk about later on really claiming her space here, right? Like alluding to a much larger musical history. Her music might sound extremely contemporary, but when you put it in that greater context, all of a sudden you're like, no, 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 no. I'm here. I'm here to stay. This is important. And I think that those musical choices are as powerful as uh, the performances. So we have body, we have savage. And I think everyone was just waiting to figure out what happens when a bunch of suits from CBS and the Grammys <laughs> try to duke it out and figure how are we going to do the first ever broadcast version of the song WAP? Yeah, you dealing with some wet, wet, wet. Bring up and I'm up for this wet, wet, wet. Give me everything you got for this wet, wet. The answer, you say the word wet a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like isn't necessarily any less no. uh, like t- scandalous. It was it solved nothing. It was very. It, 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 I was very flush watching it. It was it was it was thrilling. You know, I, w- I was talking to Whitney afterwards, and we both said one of our favorite moments was just watching Cardi B just like panting at the end of that performance because you just saw how much work she had put into it. Mm. It's also very awkward to her to have some banter with Trevor Noah, the host of the show at that moment. And I would say awkward banter with Trevor Noah was another theme of the Grammys. But <laughs> her, just like the energy she put into that performance, the hard work, it was just all so apparent at that moment. And it was just, I don't know, it was a very kind of human moment in these award shows that tend to be very carefully manicured and produced. Mm-hmm. And I, it really mm-hmm. registered with me. I mean, it also sets up a lot of, a lot of contrast between, uh, you know, performers who have some of the more over-the-top kinds of sets and productions and those who did much more sort of laid-back, you know, close-up camera. Uh, I think there was probably a lot of challenges in the multi-location shooting, just trying to figure out how to make this award show work. And so Cardi B and, and Megan Thee Stallion stand out, I think, because this was that over-the-top, we have the, the jazz reference, we have this giant over-the-top set that went through a shoe that was 30 feet tall to a bed that was... <laughs> Not a shoe, Charlie. A stiletto. A stiletto. A shoe. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a, a penny loafer. It was, it was a stiletto with a translucent uh, glass sole that a, a, a woman was dancing inside as, as money tornadoed around her. <laughs> A shoe. There was a shoe on stage. That is the most grotesque understatement of this entire evening. I think I think that the only thing that should be censored from the performance of WAP is my commentary about the shoe. The shoe. Okay, I got to collect myself here. All right, all right. All yeah, right, and right. there were these digital projections with the Cardi B performance that were pretty pretty staggering. It was it was killer. So overall, your feeling of the Grammys standing up as a concert performance. You have a good time? I had a good time. I found it really buoying to to see all these artists and, and from such different backgrounds and such different genres and such different stories. Mm-hmm. Just the one of the common themes here was just like how 
hard everyone has worked for this moment. It's remi- and it, it takes me back to what you said at the start of this episode. It's like, even if the Grammys is plagued by problems and issues, it's still really energizing to see people doing something they love that they've spent their whole life, even if they're only, you know, 21, <laughs> they spent their whole <laughs> life trying to achieve. And that, and that really came through in a lot of these performances. Also, I need to shout out BTS because their mm. choreography was just one of the highlights of the night. They they showed how how good precision choreography can be, and it was it was breathtaking. I think you're absolutely right. That was the other performance uh, at the Grammys where we got the production level that I expect mm. of something like the Grammys in a non pandemic year, and it was yeah over the top. That went through so many different sets. Right. They ended on the roof of a building in downtown Los Angeles. I may have run out onto my porch to see if I could see the fireworks <laughs> that were lighting off behind them. I couldn't, but I, I could imagine it. But what's nuts, Nate, is they actually recreated the entire Grammy stage in Seoul because it wasn't feasible to fly to L.A. for this event. So wait, you weren't going to see them. Wait, and that skyline was not the L.A. skyline? No. So if it I was, was, it was projected. I don't know. I was just running out on my porch looking into the <laughs> night sky for, for no reason. That's very uh, disquieting. Well, kudos. I think that is the context of the music from this pandemic era as well. It's like we have on one hand all of these songs that are addressing racial injustice and the protests that started this summer and are ongoing. And there is also the music which is just like, help me escape this. I need to have fun. We have a record like Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia, which is a Grammy winner. Uh, but BTS Dynamite, it just gives you exactly that. It gives you exactly that that feel that you need. Mm. And so I think from the performances, I was glad to have a, a sort of a mix of things. Yeah. Yeah. Shoes, you know. Lots of <laughs> shoes. I'm not going to. I can't let it go yet. I can't let it go. Okay. So those are some of the performances that stayed with us. When we come back, let's break down some of the wins, some of the upsets, some of the surprises, and some of the most well-earned victories. See you there. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval, variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. (laughs) I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. (laughs) I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. (laughs) 
Who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. When we watch the Grammys, the funny thing is that most of the awards have actually been handed out before the uh, you know official big event. There are four premier categories, though, that everyone's always watching. Best New Artist, Song of the Year, Album of the Year, and Record of the Year. So I think it behooves us to look at the winners and think about what is their music standing for? What's it meaning to us? How did it land? Should we do them chronologically as they were uh, announced at the ceremony? Yeah, let's do that. So they begin with Best New Artist. Here, I was both predicting and pulling for the eventual winner, Megan the Stallion. Yeah. There's a lot of tough competition in this category. Uh, Kate Trinata, who we recently spoke to on our show, incredible DJ and producer. Chica, a fantastic young rapper. Phoebe Bridgers, how to describe her? I don't know. Great musician, and many others. But Megan the Stallion, she has had an incendiary year, and right. she, I feel like she's not only one of the most successful musicians right now, she is a cultural force. How could she not be the best new artist right now? Yeah, I was also on this one with you. I mean, given that Savage had to be the biggest song of the year, at least it never left my ears. Yeah. You hear those four notes. Dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. I'm a savage. Classy, bougie, ratchet. Sassy, moody. And it's like you know exactly what's it. coming. Yep. I feel empowered just, just hearing those those four piano stabs. Just one one pitch and then up. Just one chromatic note stepwise. <laughs> it's like so simple and so powerful, and that's what Megan the Stallion does so well. She finds these rhythms, these intonations, these lyrics that are just, like, so perfectly crafted. Same thing with something like Body, where you're just like, body, yada, 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 yada. It's like, it sounds like it should have always existed, but, you know, she yeah. did it first. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so Megan the Stallion. Best new artist. No surprise. Since she had Hot Girl Summer, it's basically been Megan the Stallion in the charts nonstop. Which brings us to the next category, which is Song of the Year. And there were a lot of big songs in this one. I, I honestly did not know where this was going to go. Yeah, no, this was, unlike, unlike the previous category, this felt very up in the air. Some really strong contenders. If the world was ending, you talked to J.P. Sachs about writing that song recently. It's clearly something that's very germane to the world right now. I know, you know, we know we weren't meant for each other and it's fine. But if the world was ending, you'd come over, right? You'd come over and you'd stay the night. I could have seen Don't Start Now winning this. I felt like this was the other vibe of the pandemic, right? Just complete release. Give me something to dance to alone in my house. Don't show up. Don't come out. Don't start caring about me now. What about Circles? I mean, that song was ubiquitous. It's it's everywhere. We all know it. It's like like a nursery rhyme in our heads. What about a cozy, warm cardigan? I mean, I just you just want to snuggle up in a cardigan. And when I felt like 
Not really. That doesn't really jive with the message of the song, though. I would say because it's an old, it's an old cardigan. Yeah, I don't know. I was like hanging up my cardigan. I didn't buy any new clothes this year. It made sense to me. Okay, so right, right. I guess there's two sides to that metaphor. Okay, anyway, (laughs) stiff competition is what we're saying. Right. And I was pretty surprised by the eventual winner. The award went to her and her co-writers for the song "I Can't Breathe." And, you know, Song of the Year represents the underlying song, not the recording itself. This is a songwriter's award. And I think this is following up on the themes that we were talking about earlier in the performances. This is a song that is directly about addressing racial injustice. It's a beautifully crafted song and a beautifully sung song by by her. And it was also really fascinating to learn from her acceptance speech that she wrote it with her collaborators over FaceTime. I mean, that's pretty remarkable to for a song to uh, have that origin story and win a Grammy. But isn't that also like how everybody has been living, right? It's like, oh, you're writing a song doing in the exact same way that people are organizing protests in the exact same way people are connecting with their family. It's just like that is the reality. That is what we're... That's what we're in. I think what was surprising about it was that there was another song that dealt with some of those same issues. Beyonce's Mm. Black Parade, a a kind of Afro-futuristic ode to Black excellence and and Black achievement and Black struggle. I think out of those two contestants, you know, just maybe Beyonce's star power might have might have carried the day. So this was, uh, I would I would classify this as something of an upset for for her to come out with this award. Yeah, I have to admit I was surprised here too. I thought that the her song was remarkable. It's an incredibly powerful song, but I did think that this would be Beyonce's major four category winner. All right, that takes us to album of the year. Another category I would categorize as hotly contested <laughs> maybe some of the likely candidates here were taylor swift with folklore dua lipa with future nostalgia post malone hollywood's bleeding i gotta say i was there even for jesse volume three jacob collier i know that the academy loves super talented folks like we like jacob even even the heim record women of music part three that was a super rad record there's a lot of good stuff here. Black Pumas yeah. record, the Coldplay record, Genetico. There's not a bad record in there. Yeah, no, this category, I think, had some of the richest musical offerings. And this felt like another one where you didn't know where it was going to go. No idea. And maybe two albums uh, represent the the kind of poles of that. Dua Lipa, Future Nostalgia, Taylor Swift, Folklore. One, Dua Lipa released prior to the pandemic and is just this this buoyant dancey throwback to 70s and 80s grooves like escapist fantasy i know you like this beat because jeff been doing the damn thing you want to turn it up loud future nostalgia is the name 
And right. then the other, Taylor Swift, as you said, made entirely in quarantine, sent audio memos back and forth between her collaborators and has this sort of hermetic, rural, cabin-in-the-woods vibe. I guess you never know, never know And if you wanted me, you really should have showed And if you never bleed, you're never gonna grow And it's all right now these two yeah. albums could not be more different from one another. <laughs> no, definitely not. I guess if there's any scene that leads us into this moment, though, it comes from the Taylor Swift documentary, Miss Americana, in which she finds out that Reputation has not been nominated. Um, you are not nominated. Uh, okay, it's, um, this is good. This is fine. I just need to make a better record. And I just love this moment where she's like, Got to write a better record. Yeah. And she did it. Taylor Swift won Album of the Year with Folklore, which we have deconstructed ad nauseum. <laughs> but this is an important big win for Taylor. She becomes the first woman to win Album of the Year three times, tying with Paul Simon, Stevie Wonder, and Frank Sinatra. She's in pretty good company. Yeah, I think I think this was, was well-earned. This is a, a very much an album in the sense that it has this cohesive sound that it, it seems very carefully plotted to take you on a kind of journey of highs and lows. And I, I think this is maybe more than any of the other offerings here, the one I'm, I'd be most likely to put on and listen to from beginning to end. Hmm. I might be a future nostalgia guy on some days and folklore on others. Depends uh, how much I need a cozy cardigan on. Yeah, well, good thing we're not Grammy voters. We don't have to choose. We can have both. <laughs> And I think that's like a, a larger theme for for us as well. It's just seeing that like it's I don't love the value of creating the horse race between artists and different works of art. It's such a bizarre exercise that we have to go through because as much as we can create the comparison between these records, they also just like, yeah, they couldn't be more unalike. And so it is it does feel like apples and oranges in some ways. Now, the final of the big four, it's record of the year. Who are some of the front runners here, Chuck? Well, important clarification for folks, right? Like, we have Song of the Year, Record of the Year, make sure we're all clear. Song of the Year celebrates the song. Record of the Year is the recording and performance. And I think it's actually notable to say that Record of the Year is now the last category. It's the thing that they want to have you stick around through all of the ad breaks for. It is the culminating moment. No longer album of the year. Mm. That's changed in the last couple of years, which mm. I think says a little bit about where our culture's at. I think in some ways, records are more important than albums. Okay. Okay, Professor Grammy. That was interesting. <laughs> go on. Go on. This was the... Oh, I feel uncomfortable talking about it. Yeah, it was it was a really weird way to to end the night. Let's just jump right into it. Uh, the winner was Billie Eilish with her song "Everything I Wanted," and I love this song. Beautiful yeah, it's no, it's, it, it, it's 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 wonderful. Uh, and it's also very unusual that she won this award last year when she swept all of the major categories. But there's, uh, I know that you two and Roberta Flack have also done this, but I think those are the only three that have on record of the year. Twice in a row. Hmm. So okay. it was a surprise. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. And I mean, how would you characterize her emotion upon being announced that she was the winner? I would characterize her as extremely surprised. Mortified, Charlie. She, Mortified. 
she was so embarrassed. And she said so when she got on stage. It was You're right. That's what I said when I saw her take off her mask. The first thing I said was, oh, she didn't want to win this. That was the, I've never seen anyone react to an award like that. Like, yeah. what, I mean, emotions tend to range from, from ecstasy to at least like, you know, some sort of mild glee. This was just, right. she was like, it, it was, it was painful. And she got up there and she devoted the 75% of her speech to praise for Megan the Stallion. Megan, girl. I was gonna write a speech about how you deserve this, but then I was like, there's no way they're gonna choose me. <laughs> I was like, it's hers. And basically the sentiment that she should have won the award. Yeah, Record of the Year is often one of the more commercial awards, and I think it's pretty undeniable of all of the songs in the category that Savage by Megan Thee Stallion featuring Beyonce was the obvious pick. Folks were extremely surprised. It was stunning to see that loss. Yeah. You know, that's wraps up the the big four categories. But, you know, what, what you're saying also leads me to maybe a few stray thoughts from the 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 evening that, that we can end with. One of them relating to what you were just talking about is that I, I think it's important to acknowledge another kind of historical event. It's Beyonce important. breaking records, the most Grammy wins in, in history. Is that right? Did I get that right? This is a little complicated. <laughs> the, the most important thing is that she is the most award-winning performing artist. She ah. now has 28 awards. Ah. She is tied now with Quincy Jones, who, of course, is a producer. And uh, the uh, most wins is by George Salty. George Salty. Oh, the, oh the, the conductor of the Chicago Philharmonic? Yes, exactly. He died in 1997. Oh, that's fascinating. But let's not get stuck up on these technicalities. It's a yeah, big yeah, moment. Professor it's an extremely Grammy important moment. Coming coming into my house and lecturing <laughs> me again. This was the underlying drama through the night, I think, because people were I mean, many people who are uh maybe bean counters like me are watching to see how these things are gonna unfold. And so when best rap performance went to Megan the Stallion and Beyonce. All of a sudden, she ties Alison Krauss for most awards awarded to a woman in a, a Grammy's history with 27 for non-instrumentalists. It's such a wonderful moment of the show. If you know me, you have to know that ever since I was little, I was like, you know what? One day, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be like the rap Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, this was so cool to see. It was Megan fangirling at just like standing next to <laughs> Beyonce and Beyonce kind of taking on the role of like the wise elder statesperson. And it was just, it was another one of those human moments that, that yeah. really brought the ceremony home. And, and so did Beyonce's acceptance speech for her uh, best R&B performance win. For it was Black about, Pride, yeah. it was, it was so much about motherhood and about, you know, family. So much. I know my daughter is watching. Um, two daughters and my son, y'all are all watching Blue. Congratulations, she won a Grammy tonight. I'm so proud of you. I don't know that. I found that very striking. You know, Whitney, Whitney was telling me how, how what that meant to her in in a year that has has been really tough on women, especially women mm. who have had to leave the 
workforce and been forced into positions of, of caretaking. This was not just this Beyonce moment. This was a ceremony that really felt dominated by women, I think. And that, that, that felt meaningful. That felt, that felt earned. Yeah, absolutely. She even points to how, as an artist, she feels that it's important now more than ever to reflect the times and that it's been a difficult time that she's wanting to reflect back stories, especially in her song with Black Parade. But it's really clear, yeah, as you were saying, that she is just, I think, a mirror for so many people and, a, and an absolute inspiration. And I think for a lot of us getting to watch Megan Thee Stallion, watch Beyonce or be on stage with her and just sort of mouth agape, I can't believe this hap- was, is happening. <laughs> that, was, that, is the, that is the highlight moment of the Yeah, entire. totally. Let's, let's, let's end on that moment of efflorescence. And because, I mean, it's not going to get better than that. Hopefully in 2022, you and I will be sitting on the same sofa watching together. Maybe we'll be s- sitting in a big shoe. Who knows? Just a, just a big old shoe. Just I'll never live this down. Switch on Pops Award for Best Producers goes to Charlie Harding, Bridget Armstrong, and me, Nate Sloan. Uh, thank you to, to, to everyone. I'm, I'm so honored to, to accept this award. The award for Best Mixer, Editor, and Engineer, and soon-to-be father. This is a very specific award. It's Brandon McFarland. Uh, I mean, that was there, there was no contest there. What else is on the docket, Chuck? Best illustrator, undeniably, goes to Iris Gottlieb. Oh, fin- fantastic. Surprise, upset, upset win over a Shepherd Fairy there. That was, no one, <laughs> no one saw that coming. And, uh, you know, best on those uh, social media keys just had to go to Abby Barr. Abby Barr, a legend, a legend, a five-time winner now, actually. There was an, actually a strange tie between best executive producer went to both Nishat Kurwa and Hannah Rosen. The award for best duo act, I mean, we all saw this coming. It's uh, Vulture and Vox Media Podcast Network. The award for best next week's episode goes to Nate Sloan producing a piece about the return of the funk guitar with beloved guitarist Corey Wong. It's going to be really fun. We hope to see you. Wait, no, don't start the music. I'm not done. Don't, don't play me off. I've got more to say. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode. And until then, thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Get ready to laugh out loud at the Tribeca Festival, June 5th to June 16th in NYC. Experience hilarious talks, comedy specials, and feel-good films with your fan-favorite comedians like Hannah Einbinder, Judd Apatow, Neil Patrick Harris, Tig Notaro, and more. You have to be there. Get your tickets now at TribecaFilm.com. Did you know the Tribeca Festival showcases more than just film and TV? Tribeca's audio storytelling program, sponsored by Audible, is happening June 9th to June 13th in NYC. It includes premieres of new indie podcasts, plus exclusive live tapings of popular podcasts like Slow Burn, Criminal with special guest Melissa McCarthy, and Vibe Check with special guest Lena Waithe. Don't miss it. Get your tickets now at TribecaFilm.com.